Hello and welcome to the Twinkle Training Teachers podcast. My name's Simeon and I'll be hosting as Adam can't be here. Uh, with me today is Hannah, also from the Training Teachers segment. Hi everyone, nice to be here. And we have a special guest today. The topic of our podcast is job applications and executive summaries. And I'm really excited about our guest. She has a wealth of experience, but I'll let her explain. Our guest is Theo Griff. Welcome, Theo. Hello there to job seekers. So, Theo, would you mind telling us a bit about your experience? It's hard to describe just a bit because I have a lot, I'm afraid. I have 30 years in education leadership. I guess I have read about nine to 10,000 applications for teaching jobs from all levels, from TAs right up to head teachers. I have done private consultancy on teacher and head teacher appointments with other schools, both in this country and abroad. I have for over a decade been the online job seekers guru on the TES website. I have run job application workshops in London at the weekends for teachers. And we have people who came from all over the country from up near the Scottish border and from Cornwall, came to London just for those. I have done private consultancies with individuals, helping them with applications. And for several years, I wrote a regular weekly column. So I've got an awful lot of experience all inside my brain here, which I hope will be able to help you. So if you're a trainee teacher looking to apply for a job, I think this will be a very good episode for you. I think the trainees will find it really interesting, won't they, Simeon? Got a lot of experience here. I think they should really listen into it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's your question first, Hannah, if I'm remembering correctly. It is, yes. So my question for you, Theo, is what made you want to write books on applying for teaching positions in the first place? What made me want to write books for applying for teaching positions? Seeing how many candidates just let themselves down with their application. So I wrote two books, one on applications for a teaching job and one on the interview for a teaching job. They are Kindle books. If you haven't got a Kindle, you could download a free Kindle app for your phone, a tablet, a laptop or anything. But these books are necessary, I felt, because candidates just don't do themselves justice because of all the errors they make in their applications. Uh, Now, what are some of the biggest errors candidates make in an application? They forget the three main rules. Firstly, the application is about you. Secondly, the application is about that particular school. And thirdly, the application is about those pupils. Now, if I look briefly at those, The application is about you means you shouldn't be using anything from your friend's application that got her an interview. The application is about that school means you shouldn't be sending more or less the same application to 20 different schools. And the application is about pupils. There are so many applications that never even mention the word pupils. That really is a a really big error. So, You can solve a lot of these problems by starting off with an executive summary. Yes, you recently posted a video on Twitter about executive summaries and so far it's done really well. It's got over 3,500 views. Could you explain to our listeners what an executive summary is 
summarise are really important when applying for a teaching job? Yes, no, executive summary is something I started making popular for teachers about 20 years ago, in fact. An executive summary is useful because it shows it's the right job for you. If you can't answer it, it's not your job. It helps you to write an application that targets that school and what it needs. And if you can send it in with your application, and you normally can, because quite often there's a space on the form which says extra information and you can fit it in there. And if there isn't, you put it as a third page at the end of your letter. If you send it into the school, it shows them that you fulfill their criteria for shortlisting. Now, what is it exactly? What's its format? It's a nice, neat table. And here we've actually got a copy, a template here for you to see, to use, download here, and you'll be able to use it. It's a nice, neat table, which has in the first column their requirements, and on the other, column it has how you meet them so you are focusing really carefully on what that school needs and how you meet their needs sometimes schools put really useless details to be honest i've seen some very bad job application packs from schools if their details are useless then use the teacher's standards instead and again uh, we're going to put up on here a template for you that has the teacher's standards in the first column, leaving the blank for you to put on the other side. But you must remember one thing, an executive summary is only as good as the evidence that you put into it. I make this point because once when I was an external consultant for a board of governors on the appointment of a head teacher, they, one of the governors was really impressed by one of the executive summaries. In fact, the only good thing about the executive summary was its nice, neat presentation. I didn't point out that it was because it was my template that he was using, but the actual evidence was useless. It was just not really answering the point. So I had to point out to the governing body that this very neat executive summary showed in fact somebody who was not appropriate for our appointment so make sure that you have really good evidence here it's hard to do an executive summary make sure you have good evidence so Thea we've talked on Twitter about CVs and you pointed out that actually most teachers won't need a CV when they apply for a teaching role why is that well they used to be accepted. They used to be the norm, sending a CV and the letter. But then safeguarding child protection became more and more important. And the advice to schools from the government was to accept only application forms, not CVs. The reason being that when you write a CV, it's very easy to be economical with the truth and not include some things that you want to in a form. There are bits that you have to fill in every time. So nowadays, most state schools do not accept CVs at all. However, some free schools, some independent schools, and most uh, schools abroad do accept CVs. Now, having said that, I will say you should have a CV anyway for yourself because it's a place of keeping together all the information there is about you that you have to fill 
into those horrible application forms you get from schools. You need to have all your material in one place and that's where you can keep it on a CV that you constantly update. So it's the application form and the personal statement, uh, which are the important things nowadays for applying for a teaching job. Thank you, Theo. We previously recorded a podcast where we discussed the importance of writing a great personal statement. Do you have any advice that you would give to our trainee teachers on writing personal statements? I'm going back to the rule of three again here. Three things. It must be about you. It must relate to the school's needs and it must be honest. Now, what do I mean? It must be about you. You start off with what you believe in as a teacher. Some people call this your personal philosophy of teaching. I just call it what makes you a teacher? What what made you decide to become a teacher and to continue in this? Then you need to have something about your classroom. What's your classroom like? What would I see if I walked into your classroom? Behaviour management, the planning. What are the outcomes from your teaching? And then I would add anything else that you can bring to the school. Any outside interests, community or charity work, sporting, anything that could add value if you were appointed to that school. The sort of thing that comes to mind could be play piano for assembly, you'd be really good at helping at drama productions, organising some sort of lunchtime club. So that's the bit about you. Then we need to look at what the school needs. And that is, of course, coming out nicely in the executive summary. You've got there exactly what they need and how you can address it. Remember, by the way, the difference between a leafy suburb and a multicultural inner city school when you are writing. I once saw a lovely application which talked for a whole paragraph about how the the candidate spoke several community languages and was looking forward to working in a vibrant, multicultural, inner city place like Surbiton. For those of you who don't know London, Surbiton is neither inner city, multicultural or particularly vibrant, I will add. So remember what your audience is. And do tell us why you want to work in that particular school, how you could actually impact on that one school. The honest thing is, you think pretty obvious, but let's just make it quite clear again. Don't exaggerate. Don't say things that you can't actually do. Be wary of reading other people's applications because it can get stuck in your mind and you can write something that somebody else has written and you could be in trouble for plagiarism if you write a paragraph which is too similar to that of somebody else. Do you remember that for UCAS, or perhaps you didn't even know, they have special software which reads all the personal statements and identifies areas of plagiarism when people are using the same sentence in, in different uh, applications. Some of the academy trusts and some of the, of the local authorities have similar software for looking for plagiarism in applications. So don't look at anybody else's application. And from that, you get the obvious point that you should not share your application. If I pass my application to my friend Simeon, hi there, Simeon. And Hello. Simeon passes it on to Hannah. Hi. 
and then Hannah applies for the same job as me, and we have similar paragraphs, I could be penalised because my statement was similar to Hannah's. I don't even know Hannah. She's just a friend of Simeon who, to whom he passed the statement. So don't share your application with other people. Remember, it's a personal statement. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because you might just think you're doing a nice thing, letting your friend look over your personal statement, but it might be, you might be penalised for that, won't you? Indeed. And I, th I think that's a really good point, because having read a few personal statements myself, nowhere near as many as you, Theo, teachers have very similar skill sets. You know, everyone's good at differentiation. Everyone wants to demonstrate they know the curriculum, they can manage behaviour and things. So you don't want to give away the things that make your statement personal to you, the things that make you stand out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, Theo, can I ask you for a point of clarification on something? Because this is a question we often get asked. What would you say is the difference between a personal statement and a cover letter? And will a cover letter be necessary in most cases for teachers? The problem here is that people say cover letter when they really mean letter of application. So a letter of application is the same as a personal statement, except the letter begins, Dear Dr. Griff, and it ends, Yours sincerely. Yours sincerely without a capital for the S, by the way, I would add for, for our younger readers, quite a lot of do put a capital S on sincerely. A school may ask for a personal statement, or it may ask for a letter of application, which they may well call a cover letter, okay? It'll ask for one or the other. But what you don't have is both a personal statement and a full-blown letter of application. If you have a form with a nice big uh, section for additional information, put the EES, the executive summary in there, as I said, and have a separate letter of application. If you write a letter of application, that's it. You do not do a statement as well. If you do a statement, because that's what they ask for, then you have as well a polite cover letter, a real cover letter. A real cover letter is saying, Dear Dr. Griff, I enclose my application for the post of teacher of Sanskrit at your school as also enclose and then the other documents they've asked for. Yours sincerely with a small s and then your name at the bottom. That's what a real cover letter is not a letter of application. Uh, now, so that's, that's, I think, what our trainees need, because often they have to email in their applications and they've often asked if they should put in a full long email with their application. Absolutely not, because apart from everything, anything else, when you print out a long email, it looks messy and it makes your whole set of paperwork not look as professional as it could. Or perhaps they may decide not to print out the letter that came in the the actual no, the actual email and therefore you lose what information is in there. You need either a proper letter of application or a proper personal statement and in both cases if possible you should put an executive summary to actually underline that you meet the school's requirements. You have a wealth of experience Theo, could you possibly give a little bit of advice to our trainee teachers and ECTs on what they could do once they've secured that interview so how they can put their best foot forward and make a positive impression on the school? 
Well, that's the wrong question because they shouldn't be doing things once they've secured the interview because they should start preparing the interview the moment they have clicked send and put in the application. Don't leave your interview preparation to the last minute. And it could be the last minute. I have known only one case of somebody who received an invitation to interview at five o'clock in the morning for an interview that same afternoon. Actually, she actually got the job, which is even more amazing. She was obviously a replacement for somebody who pulled out, but she nonetheless got the job. So you can't wow. rely, you cannot rely on having a lot of time between hearing about the interview and actually the interview taking place. So you start your preparation for the interview as soon as you have applied. You base your preparation on your executive summary and your letter or statement. You choose from there the main areas, the main points of interest, and you include safeguarding and child protection, as you will always get a question on that in an interview. You may not recognize it as a question on that, but there will be one. And having identified these various topics, you do mind maps, okay? You do mind maps and you start developing them and make more and more points over the days as they occur to you. You look at the mind maps and you mumble to yourself, yes, on this mind map, I can say blah, 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 blah. On that, I can say blah, 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 and work like that. What you should not do, two things that you most certainly should not do, you should not learn questions and answers off by heart. We hate that in an interview. We can always tell and we hate it. And the other thing you should not do is read a book or an online web page, which is called something like questions and answers to great interview questions. OK, those are dreadful. They are dreadful because who else has read them? You may turn up with an answer, beautiful answer to a question only to have some person like me on the panel who says, that's interesting. It is word for word like the answer given by the last candidate. Have you read a book called Answers to Interview Questions? And how are you going to answer that? So I'll warn you, if you think of looking at my book, you will not be given answers to interview questions in it, okay? That is terrible. No, I mean, what you really want to sort of frameworks for answering questions, not memorised answers, ideally. Spot on, Simeon. Yes, you need to have the ideas in your head so that you can pull them out and speak naturally about them rather than having a, oh, hang on, that is question 60. I know the answer to that. I'm rushing and giving it. Yeah, terrible. Right. Well, Theo, it's been lovely talking with you. I have one more question for you. Obviously, trainee teachers entering our profession now are doing so at an unprecedented time. There's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. But can you, from all your experience, give any sort of time tested tips for enjoying your time in teaching? Well, I've been in teaching now for over 50 years because I've been doing volunteer teaching unpaid three days a week ever since I did retire. It's a fabulous profession, teaching is. It is wonderful. And you enjoy doing what you are good at. So work hard at being good at 
what you're doing and then you'll enjoy it. You'll see how lovely it is. And one of the ways to really enjoy it is to cultivate people at school who will support you. I mean, cultivate people. I'm not talking just about your mentor. You should be best friends with at least one cleaning lady and two caretakers, right? That has always been my aim wherever I've worked, to have best friends among the cleaners and the caretakers. And if you're a scientist, among the lab technicians, you need to be having a, a lot of people who think you're lovely because you are lovely and who are nice to you because you are nice to them. And that makes your working life so much better, so much easier. And finally, of course, look after your health and well-being. No, you don't have to really, really do everything that you hear other people are doing. You can sometimes take shortcuts, cut corners, and it won't matter that much. Oh, I'm intrigued by that last one. Could you, could you give an example on that last one, Thea? Well, sometimes you don't actually have to mark everything, do you? You can actually do in-class marking. You can have a class there and you can ask people what they think the answer should be and you can discuss them and then they can mark and then they swap their paper with the person next door to them to check that they've marked as you would have marked. That sort of thing. That's really interesting for you and that's something that I suppose that once the NQTs go into their jobs they'll pick up these skills along the way, won't they? Yes, I hope so. I think that there's a lot of pressure on all young teachers and most of that pressure I think they put on themselves they really do because they want to be better than everybody else and the best the best you can't be the best right from the beginning you have to work out to make it enjoyable for yourself really working with the young people or with the children if you're in a primary school I think that's a lovely bit of advice if you focus on finding a way to make your life enjoyable and to have a healthy balance with your work and your well-being all the skill will come i hope so i hope so well obviously with hard work too (laughs) it's very easy for me to say because i can walk into a classroom i do it in spain i do my volunteer teaching i've been doing in spain for many years and um i can just walk into any classroom and get them quiet get them working get them doing things because i have so much experience that i couldn't tell you how i do it mind you i just know it because i've done it so often you know how many years is it that's teacher presence that is that's you know (laughs) 50 years of teacher presence yes yeah Yeah. i i get teacher presence working for me on the buses as well if there are children misbehaving the secondary schools i go and tell them they're misbehaving and normally i have yes miss sorry miss Well, there you go, trainees. Something to aspire to. Um, so I'll, I'll thank you again for coming, Thea. I just want to mention your Twitter, if that's okay. Yeah, um, off you So um, you can find Theo on Twitter at at Theo underscore Griff. So that's G-R-I-F-F. And you can see her video on executive summaries there. There's also a link on her Twitter to her Amazon books. You can find those by searching Theo Griff on Amazon. I want to thank you so much for coming today. It's been really, really interesting. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Thank you. I just wish all the luck in the world to our new trainees. We del- The whole of society depends so much on you. And I just love you all, to be honest. Oh, that's lovely. Okay, well, I think we should end there. Goodbye, that's everyone. Really, yeah. Bye. Thank you.
You can find out more about applying for teaching jobs by visiting our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Twinkle Trainee Teachers, or by visiting our Twitter at Trainee Twinkle. We're also on Pinterest, Instagram. We've started a new Discord forum, and this episode should be available on Spotify. Thank you for listening, and good luck with your job hunt.